Vapavargo Pramato Yatabavej Janasyatar Hyachuta Satsamagamaha Sat Sangamo Yarhita Daiva Satkatao Paravareshe Tvai Jayate Mati Pavapavargo Brahmato Yatabavej Janasya Tarhya Chuta Satsamagamaha Sat Sangamo Yarhita Daiva Satkatao Paravareshe Tvai Jayate Mati Pavapavargo Brahmato Yatabavesh Janasya Tarhya Chuta Satsamagama Satsangamo Yarhita Satgatao Paravareshe Tvai Jayate Mati yeah, please let's have a few chanters. Go. Go. Bhava Pavargo Brahmato Yatabavesh Janasya Tarya Chuta Satgam Samagamaha Janasya Tarya Chuta Satsamagamaha Satsangamo Yarhita Daiva Sadgatao Satsangamo Yarhita Daiva Sadgatao Ravareshe Tvaij Jayate Matihi Ravareshe Tvaij Jayate Matihi Bhava Pavargo Brahmato Yatabavesh Janasya Tarhya Chuta Satsamagamaha Janasya Tarhya Chuta Satsamagamaha Satsangamo Yarhita Daiva Satgatau Satsangamo Yarhita Daiva Satgatau Paravareshe Tvai Jayate Matihi Paravareshe Tvai Jayate Matihi Bhava Pavargo Brahmato Yatabavej Bhava Pavargo Brahmato Yatabavej Janasya Tarya Chuta Satsamagama Satsangamo Yarhita Daiva Satgatao Satsangamoyahitadevasadgato Satsangamoyahitadevasadgato Paravareshe Tvai Jayate Mati Paravareshe Tvai Jayate Mati Bhava 
of material existence, apavarga, the cessation, brahmataha, who has been wandering, yada, when, bhavet, occurs, janasya, for a person, tarhi, at that time, achuta, O infallible Lord. So bhava apavarga, the bhava anapavarga are juxtaposed because this is uh, a verse about how one comes to the end of, of bhava. Bhava means the ocean of material existence through which we suffer birth, death, old age, and disease. And apavarga is the reverse process. Yes. Oh, I'm sorry, you're just being Italian. Abhava apavarga uh, means that, you know, we're in bhava, but we come to apavarga. There's a great relief just hearing these two words because pavarga stands for pa, pa, ba, pa, ma, which means, pa means that if you're in the material world, you have to work very hard. In fact, uh, Prabhupada was saying recently that devotees don't work. They just do devotional service and Krishna supplies everything. He said, we're practicing for the spiritual world because there nobody works. Krishna has bare feet and a flute. You can't get a job that way. So how hard do you have to work? You have to work so hard that foam comes from your mouth. It's like I've, have I worked hard enough? No, work harder, a little harder. Pa, pa, ba means that there's um, defeat even after you work so hard, then the honey badger comes. You know the honey badger? He's specifically designed to steal all the honey that the bees work so hard for. You see all the bees working hard? They go to every flower, work all day long. You tell them, you yeah, take a break. They go, can't take a break. I have to serve the queen. So the bee keeps going, going, going all day long. Sometimes they drop dead just out of, uh, they just wear out. The warranty's gone. And it's a, I'd like to work, but I can't. And then they build up this big honeycomb and a honey badger comes and he sticks his big snout in there and he just, and he eats the whole thing. And all the bees are going, oh, so much for our hard work. So this is the defeat that comes after working so hard in the material world. And then, Bha, bhayam means fear. Everyone's fearful all the time. Even though I'm getting something, I'm still thinking, like, when's honey badger coming? Is that the honey badger? I heard a noise. Is that him? And then ma, at the end, death, mrityu, which comes at any time. No guarantee, no warning. Along with, as my uh, godbrother once told me, there are several entities that come unannounced, unwelcome and unannounced. There's mosquitoes, you don't see them coming. They just, ow, okay, maybe I have malaria. And uh, mosquitoes, monkeys, la-di-da-di-da, they take your glasses. Uh, even if you're ready for it, they sneak up. They're so tricky, they jump down, they pull your glasses off, and death comes without warning, and when you're least expecting it, it's boom. So, bayam, I mean, Bhayam then mrityu. So that's pavarga, and then apavarga means the cessation, it's over. 
So bhava apavarga, two nice words together, it means there's relief from the bhava. And brahmataha, uh, those who are wandering in bhava, they're moving about by the force of material consciousness. And they have to take one birth after another. Yada, however, when, bhavet, something happens for the janasya, for the person. Some, something happens to make apavarga uh, available to that person. Tarhi at that time. Achuta, O infallible Lord. Sat. So now we come into the cause. Sat of saintly persons, samagama, the association. Sat samagama. Sat samagama, saintly association, yarhi when tada then. Eva only. So this is important, this word eva means only. Only at this time when one gets association with saints does one get the opportunity for apavarga. Only at that time. Sat, saintly persons, gatao, who is the goal, para, of the superior, the causes of material creation, avara, and inferior, their, their products, ishe, for the Supreme Lord, Twai, yourself, Jayate, is born, Mati, devotion. Translation is, and you'll notice it's a very interesting translation, and there's a reason for the, the seemingly reversed meaning of this verse, and it'll be explained in the purport. When the material life of a wandering soul has ceased, O Achuta, he may attain the association of your devotees. And when he associates with them, there awakens in him devotion unto you, who are the goal of the devotees and the Lord of all causes of their, and their effects. Let's say together, when the material life of a wandering soul has ceased, O Achuta, he may attain the association of devotees. And when he associates with them, there awakens in him devotion unto you, who are the goal of the devotees and the Lord of all causes and their effects. Purport by the servants of His Divine Grace, Sesi Bhaktivedanta Swami Prabhupada. Acharyas, Jiva Goswami, and Vishwanath Chakrabarti agree on the following point. Although it is stated here that when material life ceases, one attains the association of devotees. In fact, it is the association of the Lord's devotees that enables one to transcend material existence. Srila Jiva Goswami explains this apparent inversion of sequence by quoting the Kavya Prakash as follows. Srivata, sing the Sanskrit. Sing it, please. Karya karane yoscha paurva parya viparya yo vigye ya tishayokti syatsa. A statement in which the logical order of a cause and its effect is reversed should be understood as ati shayokti. Ati shayokti. Emphasis by extreme ex assertion. Srila Jiva Goswami cites the following commentary 
on this statement. Karmanasya shigra kartitam vaktum karyatya purvam uktao to express the swift action of a cause one may assert the result before the cause. In this connection, Srila Vishnu Chakravarti Thakur points out that the merciful association of the Lord's devotees makes possible our determination to become Krishna conscious. And the Acharya agrees with Srila Jiva Goswami that this verse is an instance of Ati Shayokti, Ati Shayokti. Oma jnana timirandasya jnananjana shalakaya chakshurun niditam yena tasmai shi gurave namaha jaya shi krishna chaitanya prabhu nityananda sri advaita gadadhara shivasari gaur bhakta vinda nitai namine che I don't think you all got the clap down. Nitai namine che namer We'll try it again. <laughs> Wait, just so. Nitai namine che namer hatehe shadamuye nam di te chere. Hare Krishna. Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare. Hare Rama, Hare Rama, Rama Rama, Hare Hare. So this bhava is caused by the part and parcel of Krishna being vimukti is vimukacheta so he's turning his uh, attention away from krishna bhayam dvitiya abini beshatasyad ishad apetasya viparya yosmiti it means that uh, i get in a reversed uh, position in life and instead of looking towards the object of my worship and my good fortune, my origin, my beloved, I'm looking away. And this causes all the problems. That helps because that simplified explanation without any extra embellishment means that there's a solution. What is the solution then? If looking away from Krishna in the wrong direction causes the problem, what's the solution? Huh? Any engineers in here? Let's get it. <laughs> Somebody take the mic and explain it. You're not an engineer? Okay. This requires an engineer. Somebody as an engineer explain it. If looking away is the problem, then? <laughs> 
Hare Krishna. Let's say it again so everyone can hear. So if looking away is the problem, you look at Krishna then to solve the problem. The end. Finished. Class over. Tanmayatam Buddha Abhijatan Bhaktiyaika Yeshim Guru Devatatma. So the verse goes on. Kavi Havi Yogendra says my, that now the solution is that turn your attention back to Krishna. And he says, do it through the Vaishnav, through the guru. You find a, a guru Vaishnav who's attached to Krishna or who's attached to another Vaishnav. And then uh, give your full attention. And then your problem solved. Then bhava becomes apavarga. And this, in, in this verse, this is a verse by Muchakunda. He's so emphatic about this point. And by the way, this is a verse from the Srimad Bhagavatam quoted by Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu to Sanatan Goswami when he's describing to him how one gets out of the material world. He's giving this explanation about how the souls are wandering in the material world and how one must meet a devotee doctor, uh, Vaidya, Vaishnava Vaidya, who brings hymns and instructions. And he explains, Maya Mugda Nahi Swata Krishna Gyan. It's not automatic that the soul comes out of the material existence. And also, it can't be attained by jnana. One speculates to try to understand the Supreme Lord. Then, Shreya Shutim Bhakti Mudasite Vibo Kushanti Kevala Bodhalabde Tesham Asau Kleshala Eva Shishite Nanyad Yatastula Tushavagatinam. Brahma, in his prayers, after having uh, tried to understand Krishna by his intelligence and doing a double blind study by stealing away his cowboy boys and calves and seeing what will happen now, then he, he saw a Krishna's potency and he surrendered to Krishna. And he spoke in this verse that if somebody tries to use his or her intelligence to understand Krishna and gives up the path of bhakti, then that person is like one who takes the empty husk of grains and beats on it, beating over and over again. You don't get any result. Similarly, the path of the karmis is not fruitful ultimately in understanding Krishna. Any of the paths, including yoga, karma, jnana, are not effective unless there's at least a trace of bhakti. Chaitanya Mahaprabhu states this to Srila Sanatana Goswami. The only reason any of those seem successful at some point is because there was some bhakti mixed in there somewhere. And similarly, as mentioned in the fifth canto of the Srimad Bhagavatam, there's a way in which sometimes we see that karmis are, are karmis, bona fide karmis, that is karmis who perform karmakanda. They, do Vedic sacrifices for elevation, they sometimes get fortunate because around the sacrifice, sometimes they'll meet a devotee, a, a Vaishnav, and then their devotional life begins. In all cases, bhakti is the ultimate process. It's not just the ultimate process, it's the ingredient within any of the other processes that allows them to be successful. 
So Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, in emphasizing this point to Srila Sanatana Goswami, says that um, one has to uh, come into the association of uh, Vaishnavas. And why is that? Because the Vaishnavas carry Krishna within their heart. As is mentioned that uh, Krishna is not in Vaikuntha. He's in the association of the devotees. Look at that verse. Get the green book. Look at it. it says that I'm not uh, present anywhere except for where the devotees are hearing and chanting about me, chanting my glories. Then I, then I appear. And this is the preoccupation of, of the pure devotees. They're always hearing and chanting, singing about Krishna. Even, yes. Guru Maharaj, could you explain uh, the difference in the concept of receiving association versus taking association in the sense that you may meet a Vaishnav almost every day and still not be able to take their association. What would be that gap, Guru Maharaj? It has to do with our motive. Could everyone hear what she asked? Okay. It has to do with our motive when we go to a Vaishnav. We should try to get the association and the blessings of the Vaishnav. If we go there to get knowledge, I want knowledge. Why do I want knowledge? Because then I'll be more powerful. Because I found out something. Or if I go there for entertainment, that uh, I'll hear some, maybe some interesting or funny stories. And, you know, it's at least as good as going to the movies tonight. We should go see this person. Uh, if our motivation is like that, then it's uh, not as likely that we'll be deeply affected by the association of, of a sadhu. Nonetheless, we find that even though those who are not so serious associate with Vaishnavas, they still get the ultimate benefit from that association. Let's give a couple examples. Nalakuvera and Manigriva were having a big party, and they had all the requisites for a mundane Kali Yuga party, which were... Um, alcoholic beverages, and uh, lots of uh, young girls, and they were hanging out in the pool, and they were all just having a big old um, regular party. Intoxication, and mingling, and laughing, and ha ha ha. Which always, doesn't always end well. I always remember one day I was walking in Govardhan, around Govardhan Hill by myself. It was kind of a foggy day. And I saw this family come by on a flatbed rickshaw. And I could hear them coming by. It was a ruckus, actually, sort of disturbing to the mood of walking around Govardhan because they were laughing. Ha, 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 he, he, he. And as they passed me, I kind of looked up from my japa and I saw the reason they were laughing was the rickshaw wallow wasn't driving. It was the father of the family. Uh, 
and everybody else was sitting on the rickshaw and the rickshaw wallet was running behind. And that was apparently hilariously funny. And so I, I looked back down again and you know, just tried to stay absorbed and I heard ha 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 ho 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 and then all of a sudden the, it just stopped just very suddenly. And then I heard kind of wailing instead. And I looked up and I didn't see the rickshaw anymore. I don't know if you know the section that goes right from, uh, as you're heading towards Radakunda, uh, just past Uddhavakunda, there's some embankments that go down from the road, rather steep, and a lot of times it's not so nice down there. There's sticker bushes and lots of other things that I won't mention. And then the rickshaw went over the cliff. And they all went rolling, tumbling down. And then ha, 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 he, he, he turned into ah. And that was one of the impressions that was left in my mind as I walked past that about here's the material world. It's all fun and games until somebody gets hurt. And then you know we realized, oh, this is the this sober nature of this world, or the daunting nature that makes us sober. And so, Nalakuvera Manigriva, or ha ha ha, he he he. And the girls, when they saw Narda, they recognized a Vaishnav. So they put on their clothes really fast and they got really serious. And Nalakuvera Manigriva had been spoiled. After all, they came from the richest family in the universe, Kuvera, the, the treasurer. And so they just like, hey, what happened to the party? Where's the music? What are you guys doing? <laughs> and when they saw Narda, they're kind of like, hey, man, come on. What happened to our party? Get with the mood here. And Narda could see that they were, they were wholly spoiled. But because he's a sadhu, he cursed them that you become trees because you like to stand naked. And... Then he added on, as Vaishnavs do, that after being Arjun trees for a thousand years, then you'll meet Krishna. He'll pull you out of that situation and you'll get direct darshan. They also got to witness what was happening in Nanda Maharaj's courtyard, even as trees. So there's a benediction that comes from a Vaishnav. And then you'll notice also with Jad Bharat, he was... Originally, Bharat Maharaj, who had become distracted by a deer, he could have called the SPCA, but instead he took the deer in and he uh, nurtured it, and then he became fully absorbed in the deer. It can happen. Someone can have preliminary emotions for Krishna and then suddenly divert them into something or someone else. And that same intensity that they had developed then becomes, de uh, becomes derailed and then invested in, in something that's not a worthy object of affection. So then he took birth as a deer. He became very serious as a deer and started to practice the Ashtanga Yoga, where he was before in Palastya Ashram. And then in his next life, he became the famous Jad Bharat. And he wanted nothing to do with the material world, very much like Shukadev Goswami from the very beginning of life. 
he eschewed any kind of association with his family, acted like he was deaf and dumb. So near the end of that pastime, we find that he's wandering as, a, as an enlightened being, as a pure devotee, and uh, he meets King Rahugana. And Rahugana is on his palanquin and is missing a man to carry. There's four people required, right? There's four poles, two poles, uh, two people in front and two people in back to carry the king along. And one of them was uh, not feeling well, so he had to take a day off. They needed another carrier. So they were looking around and the crowd and they saw Judd Bharat. He was very strong, well-built. They said, you, hey, you, over here, come carry this. And he had no particular place to go, and he was submissive to what anybody said, so he just picked it up and carried it. However, he could not walk in a straight line because he noticed there were living entities on the ground as he was walk walking like ants. And so he tried to avoid them. And you, you have to carry the palanquin very carefully, otherwise it jostles the rider. So as he was missing the ants, he was also simultaneously jostling the king. And he says, hey, come on, carry it straight. Who's doing that? And they're all... <laughs> and, then, and then finally, uh, he kept doing it, did Judd Bharat. So the king, all right, stop it right there. I'm getting, put me down. He gets down off the palanquin. He goes over. What are you, not strong enough? Uh, what are you, a, a weakling? He could see that he was very strong. What are you, yeah, what's your problem? And he was hurling insults at Judd Bharat. And Judd Bharat finally, after waiting for some time, said, well, you're insulting you think you're insulting me, but you're just talking about my body. I'm neither fat nor skinny. I'm not old or young. I'm not strong or weak because I'm not the body. And King Rahugana then paid his obeisances because he realized, oops, I made a mistake. I said harsh words to somebody who's saintly. And even though he had approached him in the wrong way, he had then realized his mistake and become a sincere inquirer. So much so is mentioned in the fifth canto of the Srimad Bhagavatam where the story appears. Say the next word. I, I, can't, I can't hear. Nachandasa naiva jalagni surayar Thank you. So there's a way in which he describes what we're talking about today. Does uh, this uh, pro this uh, process of devotional service is dependent on getting the association of pure devotees, and the other processes? He goes to great lengths, or some lengths to summarize the various ways in which one may try to become perfect on one's own. So he, he talks about how tapasa. there may be different kinds of austerities that you can perform. Uh, but he said that that won't help, doing, just doing austerities. And that, uh, 
Nachejaya. Which Nachejaya means? Huh? Yeah. So you can you can be brahmachari, nirvapanad. You can take sannyas. The chandasa, nirvapanad, grihadva, or you can be the perfect grihasta. Uh, Jalagni surier. You can uh, sit in water up to your neck. This is one of the austerities. Very cold, freezing cold, and you go in up to your neck in water. So you try to overcome dualities. Same thing with the fire. In the hot sun, sometimes people sit in the ring of fire and then they try to overcome duality and break through to the other side. Um, the chandasa means uh, a brahmachari. You can be celibate, okay, the person celibate. That was, we saw at Srivasangam when there was this uh, very pure brahmachari. He only drank milk, celibate. And he came and Srivas said, well, maybe it's okay if you come in. Because Mahaprabhu said only intimate devotees can come in here. Those who have intimate means those who have this rare uh, element, the bhakti, devotion. How rare is it? Bhagavatam says, muktanam apisidhanam narayana parayana sadulabha prashantasya koti shwapi mahamune. That's actually... There are 90 million demigods, they're all devotees, and 70 million sages. Did you know that? There are 90 million demigods and 70 million sages. But out of all of them, what's that 90? Uh, that's uh, 16 million uh, devotees. There's only a few Narayana Parayana. Narayanayana. All of them are known as Narayanayana. They're devoted to Narayan, but Narayana Parayana is only a few. So he says, this is, it's very rare. Sudulabha Prashantatma, very rare that you find a Narayana Parayana. And so the, uh, the Narayana Parayana is the uh, one who gives that... Uh, bhakti to others and so if you find one then you should take uh, abhishek which means that you get all the dust from find a pure devotee gather up the dust and you take it home and place it in your water tank right no that's not what it means it means that it means that you should approach with a mood of uh, surrender and uh, submission and inquiry and uh, try to um, get the association and, and emulate the behavior and it also means to follow in the footsteps of such a person this is the process through which anyone can make advancement is to find somebody who's in the line of pure devotional service and then sign up for it. It's like I'm signing on, and then uh, by following in the footsteps of pure devotees, the demigods praying to Lord Krishna within the womb say that uh, Krishna, who's the source of all 
material spiritual worlds should be meditated upon exclusively. And the way to do this, is to find the great souls who have a process to do this and then follow them. And if you do that, then you can cross over the ocean of material existence very easily. Because although Krishna is everywhere, just like electricity is everywhere, you still have to have an arrangement in order to utilize electricity. Right? You need a switch. It means there has to be a wire somewhere. Otherwise, you're just like, where's the electricity? Benjamin Franklin figured that out. Flying a kite, electricity came down through the kite string. And uh, he came up with some ideas about how to channel the electricity. So Krishna is there. You're sitting on him right now because he's non-different from all the elements in the floor. But how we actually come to uh, see Krishna directly, you have to have a channel. So the, who is the channel? What's the wire? It's the devotees of the Lord. And uh, those who are established in the mood of pure devotional service. So Chaitanya Mahaprabhu said, this is the means. Our problem of being disoriented, looking away from Krishna, becomes solved when we, we come into the association of pure devotees. And just by being with them, because they carry Krishna within, in their hearts, then we also get what's called a spurti, come from the word spot, which means like an explosion. So in the association of Vaishnavas, we'll also have an experience that, oh, Krishna is real. I, I can uh, feel his presence, but we feel it through the Vaishnav devotees of the Lord. So this is how Chaitanya Mahaprabhu explained to Sanatana Goswami, the way in which one comes out of the material world and also makes advancement in devotional service and comes to the ultimate stage of life is by the association of Vaishnavas. And now we'll take some reflections or questions. Guru Maharaj, you were, you were talking about the 90 million and 70 million devotees, and I was thinking that um, even in... Um, even in uh, heaven, even in Swarga, they are getting the association of the Vaishnavas, Narada visits, and I'm sure there are more who come and go. We always consider that being in the Martya Loka is the best place because that's from the point from which we can transcend. And everybody has to return here before they should go back home, back to Godhead. When we look at this list of so many devotees who are practicing Krishna consciousness, and, and there are just so very few who have purified themselves to the point of being called pure devotees, how do we approach the process of Krishna consciousness? Do we approach it with an attitude like, yeah, it's going to take a few lifetimes, I'm going to see these people again and again, and I will perfect myself? Or do we approach it with the sense of, well, this is my one opportunity, and I, I squeeze the best out of it. And well, if I have to come back, I have to come back. What would be the right approach? Both at the same time. So just like we say, in one lifetime, you'll go back to God. One lifetime, you'll go back to Godhead. It's like, in one lifetime, you go back to Godhead. 
So we're thinking in one lifetime, in one lifetime, go back to Godhead. It's really a, a, a matter of becoming devoted to Krishna because those who, those who are actually um, in the process to such a degree that they're experiencing Krishna's presence, they're not so concerned with going back to Godhead even. Nadhanam nadhanam nasundarim kavitam vajagadisha kamaye mama janmani janmani shrede bhavatad bhakti rahai tukitvai. Chaitanya Mahaprabhu expresses this mood in the Shikshashtakam that uh, birth after birth, I'll, I just want to be your devotee. I don't care about anything else. I don't even want liberation. Kapiladev says to Devahuti that my devotees don't care about these various kinds of liberation, which he, he mentions. There's Salokya, Samipya, Sharshti. Living on the same planet. Some devotees say, I just want to be on that planet. It's not that I don't even have to be in the same town. As long as I'm on Krishna's planet, I'm good. <laughs> Others, they want a, a liberation, a spiritual body, or they want to be associated with Krishna every day. None of these is bad. But the mood of pure devotion is so powerful that the devotee feels that I'm wherever I am right now, as long as I'm engaged in your service, I'm happy. You know, when Lord Brahma had tested Krishna and found out what his potency was, and he became so devoted to him, and he bowed down to him, and Krishna didn't say a word. He didn't answer. And Brahma realized what he was indicating, which was that I, I'm not qualified to be here in, in Vrindavan. And then he thought, I'll have better association back in my own abode, doing my service. And so the devotee thinks like that too. You don't have to be in Goloka Vrindavan. In fact, some great devotees are thinking, I don't, do, I don't belong here. Just uh, let me have a partial incarnation here as a clump of grass somewhere near the border along the footpath, and then if some dust from the devotees actually lands on my head, then I'm okay. And then I'm not just okay, that's like the perfection of my life, but they're not thinking I have to, I have to be in the front row. Otherwise, give me a break. I have to be in Madhurya Ras. Uh, otherwise, uh, you know, what's this thing about? But even with the slight awakening of the sense of pure devotional service, the devotee is so satisfied and simultaneously hankering for more that he or she feels that let me just be here and be a humble servant. And I don't, I don't care anything else. That's how a tasty devotional service is. We hear about how it's, um, you take all the material happiness, get everything, every material happiness, name three great sources of happiness in the material world. Money. Okay, got money. Food. Huh? Fame. Money, food, and fame. Okay. Um, so you take all the money, all the food, all the fame. Who are the most famous people? The fame of Jeff Bezos. I, I never even heard of him. Okay, so, and then, all right, so these, 
take the, all the famous people, all the fame, everything, and you put it in a syringe. <laughs> and you just like, and, and inject it. Will you be happy? Add in all the other material happiness. Whatever material happiness there is or ever was in the material world, you put it in one syringe and you inject it, and then are you happy? No, but if you get one tiny drop of this feeling of devotional service uh, that we inherit, that we get by serving a pure devotee, then we don't care. Na dhanam, na janam, na sundarim, kavitam bhajaga. What everybody else is looking for. Chaitanya Mahaprabhu described, everybody's looking for Lakshmi. It's like, please, you can stay in my house. There's little decorations around, Lakshmi's everywhere. Come, come on, come on. And it's like, we'll do anything, whatever you want, just please stay here. And, and Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, he just walked away from it all. Because he was like, I'm going to go find Krishna. Uh, and chase after Krishna. Maya Amargam Dayitaman Vadavad. So his his this is uh, what Rupa Goswami describes, the gradations of happiness in the material world. There's material happiness, which is no happiness at all. There was a great sage who is known to have been aware of his lifetimes. Every lifetime he could recall. See, this is a mystic power you can get, as Patanjali Muni describes in the Yoga Sutras. When, you, when the chitta becomes clear through meditation, it's like looking into a pond that has no ripples or any other um, obstruction, and you can see all the, all the details at the bottom, like rocks, pebbles, everything. Very clear. Those of you been to mountain streams or, you know, mountain lake, you just say, wow, that's what water looks like when it's nice. And you see everything there. You can see every, every pebbles like a lifetime. I remember that one. I remember this one. I worked for UPS, and then I was, a, you know, whatever it was. <laughs> Got my head shot off in the war, that one, this one, this one. And so he, he remembered his lifetimes for several kalpas. In other words, the 311 trillion years went by, the Brahma, everyone absorbed, comes back out again, and then, what? Yeah, so, so someone wanted to interview him, so he came. He said, so please tell us, in all your lifetimes, you can see them all, because you're always situated in Satvagun, perfectly in Satvagun through your practice of meditation. So did you have more happiness or more distress? And the sage said, I've never had any happiness. He said, but you've been through, uh, you know, you're in Satvagun. You've been to the, every heavenly planet. And, and he said, I've, I've only seen suffering in the material world. There's no happiness at all. And this is what Rupa Goswami says when he's describing the gradations of happiness. Material happiness is a misnomer. There is no happiness in the material world. I asked Satyadev Prabhu once. He should know. He was a paramedic for 20 years. I, we were walking downtown San Francisco. I think it was during one of the um, uh, 
our extravaganzas after Thanksgiving and the huge crowds. And I asked him, uh, I, was ta I said, look, everyone's looking for happiness here. And he goes, actually, they're all trying to avoid distress. And uh, that's the material world. Chaitanya Mahaprabhu said it's like a dunking board. You're on the board, you get dunked in the water, and they let you up for a second. And so you get, <gasps> and then you go like, ah, oh, that's happiness. So that, that's no happiness at all. Above that is the happiness of Brahmananda. Of experiencing that nashochati, nakangshati, no more hankering, no more lamentation, and not being... Uh, poked over and over again. Take this, take that. And I also, I, I'm not envious of the living entities anymore. That's a great source of distress. Like, I have, I have so much money. I have nice everything. And I see somebody else, I go, well, why don't I have that? How come they have a better one? And so why are they a little smarter than me? And so I can't, even appreciate what I have because I'm totally envious. But samak sarvishubhuteshu, the person who comes to this Brahman happiness, is a, they're not jammed anymore by all these things. No more icha dvesha, samutena. Everyone's born into this ocean of hankering and desire and being averse to other people. It's like there's a little bug. You see people do that all the time. Kill him. It's like, why'd you kill him? He has a household too, you know? He's on his way to work, and uh, he's a little guy who's got a briefcase, the whole thing. It's like he just smashed him. Why? It's like, well, I don't like him walking on the same planet as me. That's a material world. But when somebody comes to Brahman platform, they see a little bug, and they go like, hey, you and me, we're the same. I'm going to work. You're going to work. They, they relate to everybody, everybody on an equal level. They just see it's like just a slight variance in karma. It's just very temporary passing through. And, and then Rama Bhutas for Sanatma, and they feel happy. Actually happy for the first time. Good name for a book, happy for the first time. And it, it can only be had when you go beyond the struggle of material existence, come to the Brahman platform. But then that's nothing. Rupa Goswami says, you take all that happiness of Brahmananda, and he said, that's all of that. Uh, becomes like one drop uh, compared to the ocean of happiness in devotional service. So if, if somebody's performing devotional service, even in this life, even as a complete neophyte, and has uh, gets even a trace of, of mercy from the Lord, from chanting, hearing, serving, washing pots, making garlands, going on sankirtan, driving the devotees around, parking the cars, Whatever one's doing for Krishna, it sees the deity afterwards, and it's, oh, Krishna. They, they start to feel this happiness of devotional service. Brahma says, that person, he gets a lesha, a tiny bit of mercy from Krishna. He can understand everything. And he feels completely happy. Whereas other people, they struggle hard in all kinds of other endeavors to make it work here in the world, to uh, try to become a great jnani or yogi. Then he said to all those people, they can work for thousands of years, but they're not, they're not going to get what they're after. But the bhaktas can get it. 
comes very easily uh, for the devotees. Nayam sukapa bhagavan dehinam gopika sutta jnaninam chatmabhutanam yata bhakti matam iha. The jnanis try, the karmis try, the materialist tries, but they're not going to get what they're after. But the bhakti, he just tries a little bit and he gets it. So if you're perfect in jnana, yoga, karma, or, or say you make t- one tiny little mistake in those processes, whole thing's ruined. If you're at all imperfect in those processes, you don't get the result. But in bhakti, even if you're very imperfect, apichet sudaracharo, bhajatema, Krishna makes this emphasis. Even if you, you know, you're really bad at this, but you're a bhakta, he said, you're going to be successful. So the, the process of bhakti and the happiness we're talking about from bhakti is what um, compels a devotee to go on to, with the process and not be distracted by all kinds of other offers here in the material world. They're no longer interested. That's uh, shraddha. Shraddha shabde vishras kahe sudridhanishjoy krishne bhakti koile sarva karma kirtahoy. The devotee feels only bhakti. Nothing else necessary. And it, even in the realm of bhakti, you know, we may think, well, I have to sit and chant all day long. But actually, I heard Prabhupada saying yesterday that you're not qualified to chant all day long. He said, we're not qualified to chant all day long. He said, Aryadas Thakur could chant all day long. He said, but for us, practical service. He was commenting on Prahlad Maharaj's prayers. And, and Prahlad in his prayers says that he, he appreciates the devotees do practical service. And we hear about this also. Was that verse Srinvan Granan Samsmaranam Chintayan Namani Rupani Chamangalani Te Kriyasu Yat Chacharanara Vindayo Avishtacheta Oh, come on. Give me the last couple words, please, Krishna. Avishtacheta Nabavaya Kalpate. Thank you. And <laughs> and this first means <laughs> this first means this first means that the devotees they're they're absorbed in Krishna's name, form, qualities, etc. And how how do they do that? They're they're um, they've got practical service going on all the time in their life, and by that kriyasu kriyasu means by labor. They're laboring hard. That fits for us. We're all laboring hard. You can offer your work to Krishna, take some of the money, put it in the yagya for the Bhagavatams like you all do, buy a new temple, uh, a new big huge website that can uh, you know, bring in everybody in the world, all these types of things, and, and um, dedicate you know, all your activities to Krishna and do the process of bhakti. It's so powerful. Even if you're imperfect, apichetsudracharo, yeah, so you're kind of worldly-minded, yeah, but don't worry, Krishna says, Sri Prambhavati Dharma. But very soon that person will become completely situated in the, in the perfection of life through bhakti. So, shraddha shabde vishwas kahe suridhanishchoy. Krishna bhakti koila sarva karma krita. Sarva karma krita hoi means the devotee becomes more and more convinced 
that sarva karma kritahoi, if I, all the things I'm supposed to do, anybody have a to-do list? Is it done? Not anywhere close, right? <laughs> I think I have 45,000 unread emails, literally. Um, you know, is it done? Is it like work with somebody, let's get it all done. And then there's 45,000 more. So, sarva karma kritahoi, it's like, you, you want to finish all those? Do your bhakti properly. And Krishna will finish it all for you. Everything's completed by the process of bhakti. You don't need jnana. You don't need karma. You don't need yoga. You don't need to stand on your head. Although, you know, it's not a bad idea. But the, all, these, all these have nothing to do with attaining the favor of the Supreme Lord. So this verse is, is pointing out that this, this uh, bhava, apavarga, where this is where bhava gets defeated. It's like this game. We did it the other day, right? Here's, here's bhava apavarga. Finished. It's all covered up by the process of devotional service. Apavarga defeats bhava. <laughs> Bye. So we should take shelter of bhakti. Okay, there was a couple more questions. Yes, Prabhu. Hi, Krishna, dear. Shlagurudeva, please accept my prostrated obeisances. Um, thank you for a very nice class and beautiful bhajan. I really loved it. Um, the question I had was, Bhaktivinoda Thakur says, you will buy the name of Krishna. I will take my commission and all our desire will be fulfilled. What the commission means? Yeah, you're getting a commission. Don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> One of the commissions is that we get a taste. You know, when you do some selfless service for Krishna, you do, you especially bring people to devotional service. It's very highly recommended. You go out and you save somebody and you go to all the trouble. Is there any trouble? Yeah. And you bring them in and you present them to Lord Nityananda. So here's another devotee. And then when you go, to do your devotional service, you'll stand in front of the deities and all of a sudden your heart will melt. You know, where'd that come from? We advance by that process, by bhakti, by devotion uh, that comes to us, that descends to us from serving Lord Nityananda and his mission. So that's your commission. And you'll notice that, that devotees who have, you know, have this preoccupation in life of saving others and doing the work of the parampara following the footsteps of the mahajans who are known to be advanced devotees uh, the pure devotees come down to the level of madhyama adhikari so that they can do good for others because in the uttama platform they just see everyone's fine everything's moving the way it should be everyone's engaged in krishna service except for me that's a paradox and then uh, as a Madhyamadhikari, they do good for others. And those who follow their footsteps and do the work of the Madhyamadhikari, they get, the commission is, they get more faith. They get a vision of what's actually going on. That's invaluable, to be actually appreciate devotional service and have full realization of what it is, or at least some realization. So if you... If you do your service, shu 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 shradhanasya vasudeva kata ruchi, you get ruchi for vasudev kata. And if you got that, then you got everything. So you don't need anything else. 
if you're satisfied with that, then as uh, Parikshit said, how's the verse go? He, he, was satisfied. he wasn't taking any, any water even. He said, Chutam uh, Harikatamritam. I don't need water. I don't even need sleep right now. Most people get tired when they don't sleep or eat. But this is how powerful it is to have a taste for Krishna kata. You don't need anything. The main things, everyone has to eat. They don't eat, can't be happy. You can fast for a while and get a little happiness, but you have to go back to eating again. Otherwise, life's no good. Everyone wants a kitchen in their house. What is the verse? It's right before Vasudev. Uh, it's right at the beginning, right after. Um, yeah, it's one of the first verses in the tenth canto. And what, how does it start? Usually, he said, Parikshit Maharaj said, usually people feel tired and hungry. Or normally I would feel tired and hungry, not eating, not sleeping. He said, but not now. I feel completely satisfied because chutam harikatamritam. Chutam means falling down. Harikata. The harikata is falling down from your mouth. I'm drinking that. So I'm satisfied. That's, that's perfection of life, if one can get that. And you get that by uh, the mercy of Lord Nityananda. If you bring souls to him, your commission. Here you go. And then you can... Uh, fully serve Lord Chaitanya Mahaprabhu and more and more and be absorbed. That's the wealth of life. If you don't need anything else but service. Okay, what else? Yes. Um, this is Sadhu. And uh, so... Could we see Sadhu, please? We need to see him on the screen. Thank you. Um, you were talking about the uh, in the beginning of the lecture. You were talking about how there's bees, and they, um, you know, they they store honey, in, you know, in their hives, and then the honey badger comes and then takes it. You know, it destroys their hard work. So I was thinking about how the material world it actually we work in, to, to, um, for enjoyment, but actually, if we perform and that that work, it gives us temporary enjoyment, but then. Um, and then, and then the enjoyment goes and there's like distress. But I was thinking, you were talking about devotional service. It can give us unlimited um, happiness. And then there's these two verses that came to my mind. Which means all, you know, who surrender unto me, I reward them accordingly. And there was an which means that you know, if you perform devotional service sent to me, I um, carry what you lack and preserve what you have. So um, thank you for the wonderful lecture. I was just thinking about these points, to, uh, two verses. Really nice citations. Thank you. Just mentioning also, doesn't mean you can't work. 
vidyam cha vidyam cha yastad vedo bayam saha avidya yamritum tirtva vidya yamritum ashnate devotees who are in a particular phase of their life they're working hard and maintaining family for the sake of uh, keeping a standard of devotional service or they're working hard so they can give resources to the uh, spread the Krishna consciousness movement uh, they're also um, advancing coming to the position of understanding the rarity of devotional service and they're they're serving Krishna and through those means too so it's not to say that we have to stop work but in every phase of life, there's a particular realization that one should have. In the midsection of life, when devotees are working as grahastas, maintaining family, uh, work and at the same time, do your devotional service like you're all doing. And you get this side-by-side -side view. You also learn how to use everything, well, you already know, in Krishna service. And you also set an example for others. As people, as Krishna says in the Bhagavad Gita, they can't just stop working. Don't tell them that. But show them, rather, how to keep working, but do it in the spirit of devotional service. And then they'll be happy. They'll start to sense happiness that comes from giving to Krishna, rather than just trying to keep everything and be a Griyamedi, which means, this is all my stuff, these are my people, everybody else, go to hell. And I hope you do, fast. <laughs> That's Griyamedi life. That's the acute form of uh, the disease in the material world. But devotees aren't like that, and people can see it. They work in the world, and you have to, actually, Bhaktivinoda Thakur says that grahastas are the, are the best preachers because they integrate with society. I remember one day we were going door to door. I was with SKP. We knocked on a door, and there his boss was in there. <laughs> and then what do you say? You know, <laughs> Oh, hi, I didn't know you lived here. Like, what are you doing, you know? <laughs> Come in. and. So, you know, you work, <laughs> you, you go out and, and then he appreciated, actually. It's like, wow, this is really nice what you're doing. And uh, devotees have, people have to be reached at, on the third floor sometimes, away at the end. We were in Irvine, California. It's one of the biggest Vietnamese populations in California, maybe in America. There's a Vietnam town. That's my kind of place. I love Vietnamese people. And so we were going door to door, and there was a huge mall that had three, three levels, outdoor mall. And some of the levels on the third floor, the stores weren't even open pre-COVID. And uh, he said, let's try it. We went up these three flights of stairs, and the, most of them were closed. Try all the doors. They're locked. They're locked. They're locked. They're locked. And they're like, wow, there's one open way at the end. They must not need foot traffic. They're probably on the phone all the time. So we walked all the way down to the end. It was like a hidden place. Nobody even knew they were there. <laughs> Opened the door, and they're like, oh my God, <laughs> a person. And we walked in, and they ended up, uh, they were so shocked, they ended up taking a book. And, and, and chanting, and we saw they kind of broke through, and they became a little happy. And when we were walking away, we were thinking, well, who else would have found them unless we had gone to the third floor and tried every single door and then come to the end. And so there are people all over the, the universe, far-flung places. And so Lord Nityananda gives it to us to go out and find them. Go search them out and give them a little, little something. 
Just give them something to wet their beak. They get a little something and wet their beak, and then, oh, that's not so bad, you know. Like, here, eat this too, <laughs> and chant this, and read that, <laughs> like, Hare Krishna. And then you walk away, and they're like, what just happened? And that'll have an effect. And then, you know, you just, you got a big commission there. It goes on your record. Don't think all these things won't go on your record. You know, when you leave your body, you remember everything all at once. It all flashes before your eyes because it's on a subtle level. You'll see a big screen and everything that you ever did, said, all the people you met, and you'll remember every time that you met somebody. Right now, you can't remember all the people you sold books to, just some of the fantastical ones. Like, I remember that car was going through the set in the backyard. He swiped his card. He drove off before the light changed. I remember that. But you don't remember the hundreds and thousands. And for some people, like Divyanga Prabhu, he sold over two million books in his life. He doesn't remember all those people, but he will when he leaves his body. They'll all flash before his eyes. Oh, yeah, I sold two million books, starting at Cleveland Hopkins Airport and then O'Hare Airport and then Miami Dade Airport or wherever he was, and then, uh, no, Orlando. And then, uh, you know, here, there, everywhere, it'll all come before the eyes. You're building a, you're getting your commission, compounded interest. You're getting, you want a portfolio. <laughs> you become a spiritual billionaire by learning Ananda's mercy. And you, then what else do you need? Everyone else dies and their money's like, what about my money? And it's like, well, that wasn't really yours anyway. <laughs> It's going, it's going to your relatives that you hate. Ma, yeah, Maguna had a, had a colleague, had a colleague that was very frugal. She used to put away all her money, worked hard, put away all her money. And even when she got sick at the end, she wouldn't spend for herself. She just sort of withered away, but she wouldn't spend anything on her health or relief. And, um, she died intestate, which means she had no will. And so in California, you die, and then they look for your next of kin. She didn't have mother or father, so, or wh whoever it went to were relatives that she was estranged from. They were in a huge fight, and they, she hated them. So all her money, a, th a third of it went to the probate court, because there's a process you have to go through for this to happen. So they take a huge chunk. How'd you like that? 30% gone. And then the other 70%, it went to the relatives that she, she was at odds with. She hated their guts. And they got it. And she got nothing. But when you get commissioned from Lord Nityananda, it, it all compounds and you, you keep that always. Neha bikramana shosti pratyavayuna vidite prabhu. Hare Krishna Varjana, and welcome back to ISV. Come on, it's Varjananda. Don't forget, we like you here. Okay, go ahead. I can never forget. <laughs> Thank you. Um, you were talking, we were talking about commission and I just had this flash that came in my mind that I wanted to share. Um, so I was at a, 
Uh, okay, well, I'll just, I get a phone call one day recently out of this boy, and he told me he got my number from someone, and he tells me that I gave him a book at um, a 420 festival. Um, I don't know if you all know what that is, but it's it's, it's like... It's a marijuana festival. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone goes uh, there and smokes ganja. In Austin, Texas, in 2015, maybe? 2015? And that he got a book for me there. And I... Actually, I gave a book to his friend, who his friend didn't really want it, so he took it from his friend. And But he remembers meeting me because he was in the group. And... Then he says, you know, some years later, I started taking the bhakti, and now I'm getting initiated by Shankarshan <laughs> Dasadikari uh, at the end of October. And he said, I'd love nothing more for you than for you to be there. And I was almost crying because his, he, was, he was almost crying. And um, I just felt, you know, the same thing. I didn't even know. I don't remember him at all, but I'm also I'm getting this commission uh seven years later and i feel this like wow like like i don't even like most of those years i don't remember hardly anybody i met just a few like you said but like this one person i don't remember i have made such an impact in his life it's changed his whole trajectory and now he's you know a serious devotee taking initiation and um he's distributing books now like every day Bravo! Sadhu, sadhu. Bravissimo. And then, and then I'm getting more commission because he's distributing books now, too. So, <laughs> yeah. It's your downline. It's MLM, multi level marketing. <laughs> it's the original MLM started by Lord Nityananda. Very nice. Okay. We'll just take a couple more reflections. Yes, Prabhu. One, two. Hare Krishna. So, uh, for a um, for a yogi who is on the uh, jnana or uh, or the karma karma marga, if he if he uh, if his uh, his practice is incomplete at the end of his life. Uh, what happens to that yogi? Uh, after long practice of yoga, then one goes to heavenly planets and then comes back down again into a family here at ISV. <laughs> and then, <laughs> for, if you practice for a short amount of time, then you go to the heavenly planets and you're born in Woodside or Hillsboro. I don't know what the rich neighborhoods are around here. Hillsboro will work for us, right? They go be born in Hillsboro in a rich family, and it's like, kid, you want a Ferrari for your fifth birthday? And it's like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so Krishna says this in the sixth chapter of the Bhagavad Gita. After long practice of yoga, you 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 got so much momentum, you come into a family that are they're already transcendentalists, and then and if you're short practice, then. It's just like you get more facility because 
you come into a, a family where it's kind of wide open, you can be expressive. You don't have to think about working so hard and things like that. That's not a guarantee, but if you meet devotees, and Rupa Goswami mentions this, any semblance of attraction, this shraddha that you have, this is kind of an attraction, even it starts, Prabhupada said, with appreciation. You see devotees and you go like, I don't know, there's something about those guys. I kind of like that. I don't know what it is. I don't know what they're doing. It looks kind of like weird. I, I don't know if I could ever do it, but I like them. Leave them alone, Larry, you know? <laughs> and so, that you know, that comes from association with sadhus. You got some sadhu sangha somewhere, and therefore you have this sense like, God, I like devotees a lot, or little even. And that's the beginning. We get the sadhu sangha, and then we get this faith uh, is born. And when you get enough accumulation of that in your heart, like your heart's like a bank account, you get enough capital in there, then you can, you know, purchase something. It's like, okay, I'm doing it. I'm walking in there. I'm going to get some, I'm going to go for sadhu sangha. And I'm going to sit down with those guys and see what it's all about. That's when you get a little um, investment capital. And then they'll say, okay, here, take this. You chant like that. Do it twice a day, and then it's like, okay. And then you start on your process of devotional service. Um, I, was, um, I was just thinking about the point you made where you said that any path you take, you have to have, or you have to put bhakti into it. And also this morning during Japa Circle, you were saying that you have to have eagerness to chant as well. Like it isn't just chanting, you also need to want to chant. And um, it was kind of a wake up call for me because I was I was kind of like, you know what, I'll just chant, you know, and then everything will like somehow like happen. Like even though I don't want to chant, some everything will work out. And um, I kind of just realized that that's not how it works. Like Krishna also wants something. He wants your like bhakti and he wants your eagerness. So you can't just like, expect Krishna to give you everything but not give Krishna anything in return. So I was just thinking about that. Srivas, what do you think? <laughs> yeah. That's there's a verse. Krishna Bhakti Ras Bhavitomati Kriyatam Yari Kritopilabhyate Tatalolyam Eva Mulyame Kalvam Janmakoti Sukratirna Labhyate. Which means that there's one price to pay to get bhakti, and that's your eagerness to get it. Laulia means like you're greedy for it. You run, don't walk. He's just like, I want that, I want it. And you go for it really quick. So then it says, Janmakoti Sukirtan Labhyate. If you do Sukriti, mundane pious activity, or anything else that we we're talking about, and you don't, ha you don't have that eagerness for devotional service, then uh, you can't, you, after many life, thousands of lifetimes, you, Rupa Goswami says, you won't get it. And then he says, if it's available somewhere, this is the mood, if you know it's available, I'm going to go get it right now. I'm not waiting, like not tomorrow, not next day, next year, at the end of my life, now. I want it now. So then Prabhupada says about that verse, this lulium, this greed that you're talking about, he says, so, okay, fine, I'll just have this mood. He said, it's not so easy, sir. 
He said, this comes only after great uh, good fortune of association with devotees. You know, you could say, oh, I'll be very enthusiastic, which is good. We should be very enthusiastic. But to actually feel that, that I, I want this, I have to have it, this comes from the mercy of association with sadhus. And if you can get that, then you're very, very fortunate. So if you didn't have it, you wouldn't have asked. Which is, which is, you know, the purpose we're in Sadhu Sangha. It's, and then, you know, you, you start, like you said, uh, this is a revelation. You know, we have these revelations, and that's what keeps driving us, keep doing our practices and so forth. Pretty good, right? She's happy. Okay. <laughs> that was nice, Kita Priya. It was too much nice. Hi, Krishna Prabhu. I was just thinking about the commission that Krishna gives. I was just comparing it to, uh, you know, Krishna gives you, uh, helps you find devotees and he will make you do, you're just an instrument. And then uh, Krishna also gives you commission for that. Well, <laughs> Krishna does, I mean, it's not that a person can actually make somebody a devotee depending on, uh, you know, their own uh, strength. So I was just kind of comparing it to when kids get start cleaning the, you know, when the little kids start helping parents clean the house, then they'll take only one little tissue and put it, oh, wonderful, wonderful, you did a great job, so you're going to actually get to go to the park today because you cleaned. Most of the cleaning would have done by the parents, but the kid only picks up a little thing somewhere. And again, that also with the help of parents. So I was just trying to connect that too and say thing that how merciful Krishna is. He's giving us a commission for something that he himself plans and just makes us do it. <laughs> for that moment. And at that moment, I start thinking, wow, you know what? I, I am the one who makes people devotees. So I was just thinking about that. And the second part I was thinking about is when Gita Priya was saying that uh, the laulium that you were talking about, I, when I got to Krishna consciousness, I was, I mean, my parents were very against me going to temple or do anything about Krishna. I mean, not that they were, they were not God conscious. They were more worried about Iskon. <laughs> <laughs> so they didn't know about the, the, the movement and things like that. So I remember how I would actually literally lie every time those two years that I went to temple. I, I felt that the amount of eagerness that I had wanting to go CDTs, I, the days when I could not go, I would actually dream about them. But after all these years, now that Krishna is coming easily for me, <laughs> my Prabhu is okay with me doing Krishna consciousness, I'm thinking that I don't dream about them anymore. <laughs> I'm not eager to go see them. It's like, I know I can go to the temple on Saturday mornings. And so even though when things come easier way, how do you continue to have that laulium? Thank you. Well, I'd like to address the first point first, and that is that the, uh, the devotees uh, leave us an opportunity to do service. Prabhupada mentioned this, and I read it in the excerpt about Bhaktivinoda Thakur that he said Bhaktivinoda Thakur was a Vaishnav. He could have done everything. But he left it for us people to do. And this is spiritual intelligence to realize that the, the great acharyas have left us an opportunity. There's service to do, and they've defined what it is, specifically what to do. And if you're able to grab that and do that service, then that's spiritual intelligence. Because it's wide open. Anybody could do it. Even Chaitanya Mahaprabhu gave an open order, like, do this. Go teach people about Krishna consciousness. He said, become a guru and teach everybody about Krishna consciousness. And you could read that and go like, yeah, I think I'm going to sign up for that. That's spiritual intelligence. And it's true that under circumstances where we feel repressed, oftentimes we, uh, 
are able, like a pressure cooker, to develop more steam, more heat. It's happened in Krishna's Leela also. The gopis, if I may be so bold, who were held back by their families to not join Krishna in the forest actually made more advancement in the sense that their desire to join him became so um, explosive that uh, they actually left behind the, any last vestiges of the material body. And it, it's, a, it's a constant um, endeavor to notice that about ourselves, that we don't hit a plateau and take it for granted. And this is in anything that you do every day and that you get used to or that there's the possibility of getting used to, you have to be careful. Like, let's just take a mundane occupation like people who are preparing for the Olympics and, and athletics. They have to do the same thing every day, but they, they're always looking for an edge, changing it up. You can't do the same routine every day. You have to, you have to cross-train. You have to do all kinds of different uh, exercises and, and notice what your body's doing. Uh, sometimes you have to eat less, sometimes you have to eat more. You have to be steady, but uh, be aware of what's really happening. So devotees like Raghunath Das Goswami have written books to um, make us aware of the thought process of the devotees who are in the process of devotional service, and they're always constantly aware, am I making advancement or am I getting used to this? Am I taking it for granted? Do I think, oh, now people noticed me, he says. And now I think, like, wow, that's pretty good. He said, that's like the stool of a hog. This idea that I'm doing uh, puja, laba, pratishta. These are the enemies of the, uh, the devotee's practice. Because as Vishwanath Chakravarti Thakur says in Madhuri Kadamani, after you get a little successful in devotional service, then people will come to you and go, like, you're so great. Can I give you a, would you like a Cadillac? Cadillac, ak, ak, and take that and, you know, have, have, a, <laughs> have a, you know, and then you could stop there and plateau and just say, well, that's not bad, you know. So you have to associate with devotees, the teachings of devotees, and become uh, aware of your own advancement, just as an Olympic athlete is getting ready for the Olympics and just like, oh, no, that's not good enough. I have to keep my edge. So you have to do that for your, that's good sadhana, as you're, you're noting it. What is my mentality? Why am I doing this? And then get, Srila uh, Bhaktisiddhanta Saraswati Thakur said, you have to beat the mind with shoes and then broomsticks sticks. Good if you can get chastised. If somebody can just like tell you, hey, put that down. Don't do this. Uh, why are you doing that? You're in a lucky position, so you should find intimate associates who can chastise you and tell you you're doing it wrong. You have a spouse, that should help. Hare Krishna Prabhu. Hare Krishna. Oh, Prabhu, I have a quick question. You just explained how after a long practice, what happens, and after a short practice, what happens. But in a devotional service, uh, we see that um, uh, Prabhupada also says that even uh, in a minute, one can uh, get their um, devotional service done by calling out Krishna's name. So how do we define this long and short? What On what basis, Prabhu? Because some devotees make progress in a very short time. For somebody, it takes a long time. So how do we determine this? 
Well, first of all, it depends on the quality of the utterance, Prabhupada says. In the verse, Aho bhatta shrapa chato garyanya jiva grevarta te nama tu byam te pusta paste juhuvu sasna arya brahmanachur nama grananti te, which Devahuti says, Oh, how wonderful it is, the holy name, even if uttered once, just a little bit on the tip of the tongue by a person who's in the material world, that person becomes eligible to perform Vedic sacrifice. The Prabhupada says in the purport, this is all true. And all the Aryas say, this is all true. But it also depends on the quality of the utterance of, of the devotee. And we get that quality by the association of sadhus, that a sense of urgency and so forth. And it may fructify for some people very quickly because it's already ready to fructify. The bank accounts are already nearly full, like Lal Babu. Prabhupada mentions him in the Nectar of Devotion. And he's talked about in the Bhakti Sandarbha. Lal Babu was a great businessman doing all kinds of deals and getting tons of money. And one day he was walking to his office. There was a young girl out in front of the house of a sweeper woman who called out to her daughter for time to eat. She said, now's time. Come now. Do it now. Come. And he heard those words. And for him, it fructified in his heart as, now's the time to surrender, Krishna. Don't wait any longer. So he put down his briefcase, put his iPhone away, and he started going door to door begging to build a temple. Now you can go to his temple in Vrindavan. It's near Gopinath Bazaar. Lal Babu, the Lal Babu Mandir, right? Really beautiful temple, beautiful, really tall Radhakrishna deities. And Prabhupada mentions that this is the, you know, it becomes fructified within a moment. He doesn't mention that, Jiva Goswami does, but he mentions Lal Babu begging. So the point is that um, devotional service, like fruit on a tree, the time it takes for a fruit to fructify is the time it takes. So you have to go on with the process. And he writes, does Srila Prabhupada in the light of the Bhagavat that will come of its own force when the time is right. You don't have to worry. Just like if a woman's pregnant and healthy, then baby's going to come. It's like, when's this going to happen? It's like, don't worry about it. It's, it's a done, done deal. <laughs> baby's going to come out whether you like it or not. Uh, sometimes it takes a little longer. Sometimes it's shorter. But the baby's coming out. So in the same way, when you the seed of devotional service is growing, you keep watering because it's it's for sure. The only thing, be careful not to stifle the growth. Chaitanya Mahaprabhu says, don't make offenses. Don't let an elephant into your garden to walk around because then it'll, it'll be crushed. Thank you very much, everybody, for joining us here at Iskand of Silicon Valley for our bhajans and, and Srimad Bhagavatam discussions. And uh, now we're going to have the Guru Puja for Srila Prabhupada, so we can put all the asanas away and we'll reconvene within three minutes and 22 seconds. Hare Krishna. Vancha kalpada rishcha kripa sindhabhevacha patitanam pavanibhyo vaishnavebhyo namunamam.